Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mark Molina, CEO of Molina Leadership Solutions. Very excited to interview this morning Miss Kelly Mason. She is a candidate for position five, Springfield School District Board. It's a, it's a Saturday, it's a beautiful day, so I appreciate uh, Kelly's time. I know she's very busy right now, so we only have 30 minutes with her. But we are here to allow her to introduce herself to a broader uh, section of the community and to hear more of the story. Uh, Kelly, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm doing great. It is a beautiful day, so I'm excited and I'm excited to be here. How do you feel your campaign is going up to this point? I think it's going really well. This is my first time running for election for anything. I've been appointed to other committees and things, um, but that's a different process. And so it's gone quite well. Uh, I've, I've met a lot of great people. I've gotten a chance to network and kind of open myself up to people in the community I hadn't previously established relationships with. Uh, I wasn't planning to run a full-fledged campaign. I, 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 I kind of jumped into this after, I don't know if you knew, but I threw my hat in the ring for the city council appointment, interim appointment. And after that, I was like, okay, how can I continue to be involved? And I just like quickly decided to do this. So I think with with a quick start and a short amount of time, this has gone really well, so. I did not know that you had put your hat in the ring for that city, uh, city council appointment. That's for one, Ward One? That's correct. Okay, what did you learn in that process? What, what uh, motivated you in that particular cycle? That's a great question. What I learned is that there is a whole community in Springfield that's ready to support me uh, and that I'm, I'm brave and I have some courage. And so I think it takes that to run for any, any position. And with I had so much support in that process and it was a quick turnaround. People I hadn't even met before were rooting for me and hearing all of the comments during the city council meeting when they made the decision live really motivated me to keep going. Uh, I'm 25 years old, so I'm very young the youngest person, if I'm elected, to ever, I think, be on the Springfield School Board, and I probably would have been the youngest city council member. And so it, it was empowering, and I, it made me feel confident and ready to get more engaged in the community. It's really unique what we realize that we're capable of when we dare to risk, dare to insert ourselves into a particular process, isn't it? Definitely. Well, I ran for city council in 2006 here in Springfield. I had no idea what I was doing at that time. And I, I'm I, honestly, I was so ignorant. I didn't even know how to get my name into the ballot, the um, the state um, register. Yeah. That's how, that's how bad I was. But that being said, I'm glad. It seems like you have a good handle on the campaign. You get, have a good handle on what you're doing. It looks like you've learned a lot. I have here, I received in the mail today, your flyer. And you have a lot of supporters. You have the Democratic Party of Lane County, Stanford Children, Lane County Central Labor Chapter, AFL-CIO, State Senator Lee Byer, District 6, State Representative John Lively, State Representative Marty Woolley, and the list goes on. Um, I wanna talk to you about why is it important to you personally, individually, to be on the school board, what is it you want the voters to know about this desire you have to serve them, the families, the children of Springfield? 
Yeah, it's important to me for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but I think I'd like to start with a little bit of background to explain why it's important to me. So I was born and raised in Springfield, Oregon. I've lived here my entire life. I went to all Springfield public schools. I went to Moffett, Hamlin, and Springfield High in the not so distant past, right? Because I'm young. And so I have a fresh recollection of my experiences there. And it really took a village for me to get to where I am today. And that means staff, teachers, even the janitor, Harry at Springfield High, who would give me advice and check on me because I come from a low income, single parent household. My father passed away when I was nine years old. And so that left a gap. And I feel like my community and especially the Springfield School District helped fill that gap in, in ways that I didn't realize at the time. But now looking back, one of the reasons it's important to me is because I want to be a part of that next generation of leadership and guidance and support and that village I talk about for students. Um, also, my passions are kind of colliding with this Springfield School Board. So I've dedicated my career thus far to education. I'm very passionate about education. I'm a academic advisor at the University of Oregon for our Pathway Oregon program which serves underrepresented, low-income, first-generation Oregon residents. And we pay all of their tuition and fees to get them a free degree. I was a recipient of that scholarship. And so it's kind of fun to see things come full circle. And now I'm serving in that capacity after many, many years as a financial aid counselor, both in a student and a professional capacity at the U of O. And so I'm also about three quarters of the way done with my MPA degree, my Master of Public Administration where I'm basically studying how to work in local government. And so it's that perfect combination of my passion for public policy and local government and education. And those two things collide and equal Springfield School Board. And I, I think it's kind of a perfect storm. And even though I'm young, I have some really great experiences that I bring to the table. And I think right now is a really good time for a young, female, diverse, you know, intersectional person who was raised in this community to get a chance to bring a progressive perspective to the board um, and, and work towards a more equitable and sustainable school district. That was a lot. No, no, I, I appreciate, my father died when I was seven, my mother drowned when I was 10. I grew up in different homes. I appreciate that part of your story, it really, it's really t touches my heart. So I just got a little emotional, so I apologize. But I'm also thinking about your story and the things that you said regarding helping other children, creating pathways for other children to get a college education. And with as commendable and admirable and needful as that is, can we talk just a few minutes? If you go, if you're going to be on the Springfield School Board, if you get elected, what other ideas do you have for ongoing education? Because we know that College, a college education is very, very expensive. And we know that people are drowning in debt that go to college and they can't seem to find a way to employ that or deploy that into practical terms in the community, wherever they are. What other thoughts do you have about educational models that can help students? Yeah, so I think one of my goals, if elected, would be to increase availability for career and technical education programs. I think that 
Springfield School District needs that right now. And really across the board, I think that's an idea that, you know, it's so pushed into our brains, even myself growing up, you have to go to college. Like that's just the next step. And that's not necessarily true for everyone. And I 100% understand that even though I work in higher education, I see a gap. I see a gap in career and technical programs. And I think that there's a way we can fill that. I think that there's a way for us to allow one of my platform planks, pathways, it's kind of a play on words, uh, for students to kind of choose their own path and create accessibility for that so that they don't feel like college is the only option, whether that be a four-year degree or a two-year degree, but maybe that's an apprenticeship program or a program where they can still earn a great living in a trade. And that's totally a viable option. In fact, I'm pretty sure that we're lacking in a lot of these trades and, and we kind of need people to fill those positions. And it's a great way to earn a living. I know one of my uh, one of the other people running for a different position on the school board, Anthony Reed, he works in a trade and he's a big, big advocate for that. And I've had some great conversations with him about how to make that happen and why it's important. Uh, because, you know, I, I did go for the four year college degree and that's kind of the route I took. But I know that that's not for everyone. Yeah, you know, I come from a generation. I'm 56 years old. I graduated high school in 1982. I went. To, I was a freshman in 1979, and in my generation, uh, CTE programs were a four-year curriculum. Mm -hmm. People would be in auto mechanics for four years, carpentry for four years. The carpentry students will their senior pro uh, project would be to build a house from the ground up. The mechanics would rebuild a car from the ground up or rebuild specialized engines. They had a lot of job programs to get help people find work and so i i know that that is viable i'm also on the board of directors for the springfield area chamber of commerce we're heavily involved with work ready with the springfield high school with lane community college and other areas and so my concern is from my generation as if you win this election my concern is that so many young people and families are getting strapped with debt and i don't i don't i believe we were sold Somewhere along the line, education sold people a bill of goods that that was the only option. And we know now that that's not the only option. And so I wanted to hear from you. I wanted the voters to hear from you because you, you use the word progressive. And some people think that someone with a progressive perspective is only about a four-year degree, at, at, let's say, at a liberal college. And you're, you're clearly communicating that it's not true. Not necessarily. I know I work at a four-year liberal college, but I'm passionate about accessibility for all students at all levels. And I think that looks different for different students. And having worked in a couple different capacities and seeing certain students struggle just because they felt pressure from their parents or from their communities to go straight to a four-year institution, I realize that there is a gap and there's different ways that students can have great careers and that, that doesn't necessarily mean they have to go to college. And so I just want to, I'm going to ask you this question again for the sake of the voters. If you win this election, part of your messaging as the position five school board member is to also advocate for CTE programs and other methodologies of advancement uh, for employability and education. 100%. Okay, very good. Now, I have two questions for you that I asked all the other candidates that I've interviewed up to this point. One of them is regarding the school resource officers supplied by the Springfield Police Department. It's obviously we got some cultural problems going on with our local PD. We know that uh, they 
provide officers to the school district, and we have a we have a cultural shift taking place. Mm -hmm. If you become the position five school board representative, what is your view on the role of the school resource officer in Springfield, and what changes might you like to see happen as far as uh, interaction with students and staff? It's a hot topic right now, and it's something that I feel like I need to stay true to myself and my activist spirit um, and my passion for equity and social justice. And for me, that means that these SROs, these school resource officers are problematic, especially in Springfield, Oregon. That being said, I am willing to have, and I'm, I'm, I'm open to difficult conversations and I'm ready to have them. And I know that we need to have them and we need to continue to have them. And we can't let this momentum stop. Over the past year, we've seen a lot go on in Springfield specifically. Uh, I know that in our not so distant past, there was an active shooter at Thurston High School and that left its mark on the community. And so I know it's sensitive, especially for our community. And, and I realize that, um, but with that being said, I think that there are other ways for us to, you know, assure students and their families that they are going to be safe at our schools without an armed Springfield police officer on their campus. That being said, you know, for example, other options, because when we say, okay, well, if we're going to remove them, how are we going to make sure our students are safe? And so you have to have kind of some clear examples and some clear plan in place if, if that's kind of the course that we want to go. And in previous conversations, I know that that's going to be tough. And I, I want to start by saying that. Um, but things like intervention workers, peace builders, behavior interventionists, uh, school aides, support staff, counselors, I really appreciate the model of cahoots. Uh, they actually are modeled nationwide. It's a wonderful program. And I realize, and, and I think that so there's so much I wanna say here and I wanna make sure I get it all in, but school resource officers, point blank period, target black and brown students. It's been known to be a pipeline to prisons. Uh, black and brown students are disproportionately disciplined um, and, and school resources take part in that. I don't, I don't think that data shows that school resource officers have been effective in reducing um, violence on school campuses necessarily. And I think if, if anything, having an armed uniformed officer on a campus is intimidating and it, it puts um, underrepresented students at a disadvantage. I've had some, some really good conversations on both sides. And I know that I, I'm pretty sure Kate Brown just signed a bill into law allowing school boards to disarm school resource officers. Um, and I, I think we kind of need to take it a step beyond that, you know, so, if you have more prompting questions for me, I'd be happy to go into more detail about any of the little pieces I just said. Uh, but really, being an activist and and you know being an advocate for Black Lives Matter and uh, seeing how Springfield Police has responded to peaceful protests over the past year or so, it, it's it's made me have some difficulties accepting them on student campuses. And I know that that contract is reviewed annually. I think each fall, um, and I know that's going to come with a lot of hard conversations, and I don't think it'll happen overnight. But I think, if anything, there's steps we can take moving forward to make sure that it's more equitable. I don't believe that police officers should be responding to 
like school fights, marijuana, for example, all these things that all of those other examples of positions I just gave you could be responding to. Um, I don't think that's a police officer's job. And that's kind of why I mentioned cahoots as being a, like an example of an option where they can respond to nonviolent issues. There's no doubt that it's a really big conversation and that there's a lot of passions. Both sides have legitimate arguments, legitimate concerns, and being able to facilitate that kind of conversation and come up with reasonable solutions. You won't be able to please everybody on both sides, but there, usually it's in the middle. We can sit down and agree to reasonable options that people can come together and get some clarity. Uh, some of your some of the other candidates for the school district they've talked about disarming the police or lack of armaments really unique ideas. Uh, it's been interesting also to hear your perspective. <clears throat> I think one of the challenges the school district is going to have is budgetary constraints. Uh, so there's just only going to be so much that they can do around this issue. Mm -hmm. All right. So I, I want to, so let me ask you this for all the voters, the people are going to watch this and people are going to listen to this. It's going to be widely distributed for the sake of the voters. I want to give you a chance to say that for the record, that you are going to listen to both sides of the discussion and you are going to give both sides of the discussion credence. Definitely. I value collaborative governance as a model. That's something I've studied a lot in my master's degree program at the U of O. And I've had a chance to implement that with Lane County. And I've realized in that research how collaboration and listening and relationship building early on, like for myself, if I'm elected, if I build relationships with community members and organizations and unions and all of the people that have a seat at the table, it, it will be easier if you have that pre-established connection to have really hard conversations. And I, one of the other things that I've been saying this entire time is that I pride myself in being a listener, especially because I know I have a lot to learn. It's gonna be a lot of listening um, and, and hopefully the chance to kind of shut my mouth a little bit and listen to what everyone has to say. Uh, so definitely, yes. Okay, very good. Let's talk about critical race theory. I've never heard of this until maybe a week ago. I started hearing it a lot on the the feeds around the school board, uh, candidate postings, and a lot of passionate perspectives on each side. I don't know what it is. I'm going to ask you, do you know what it is? Uh, or, or what do you know about it? What is your position? Because there's a lot of people that are dead set against this. They call it a curriculum. They don't want it in the schools. There's some people say it should be in the schools because it's it's helpful to talk about other things that have plagued our community. What do you know about it? What is your position on critical race theory? So from what I understand, criti critical race theory is the idea, well, and basically it boils down to, yes, it's it's kind of an educational system and it's a way to dismantle white supremacy and it's an idea that systemic racism is inherent in our society and I, I think where the controversy lies is should we be teaching this to students in schools should we be asking teachers to give students this information and, and kind of set them up with that task task them with that um, I feel very passionate that that should be something that's taught in schools. 
um, with with the way that everything in our country is going right now and in our community, I think it's important that we kind of dismantle some of these ideas of uh, and some of the systematic ra systemic racism that exists and that we bring awareness. I, I think it, like when I was in school, it was kind of taught to be like colorblind, for example, and that is so problematic. We need to respect and celebrate and learn about different different cultures and people of, of all different ethnic and races. And that means accepting them and learning about them, not telling us, not telling students to be colorblind. Um, and I think that it's important that that's taught in schools because it's part of being a productive member of society and, and pushing ourselves forward and coming back to that progressive word and, and acceptance and equity and social justice and realizing that there are that you know our our country has a history of racism our country has a history of white people being in power our country has a history of white people getting paid more you know all of these different things and i think it's just as important I'm gonna have to go ahead and say it as math or science, like it, it's it needs to be taught to students from an early age so that they can form they can think critically about things and they they can learn early on how important it is to to be to accepting and and promote equity within themselves and as they project that out into the community and yeah, I know there's a lot of passion about it, and I think it's it's a, a really needful discussion because the amount of fire going on about it on Facebook on the the this um, election cycle. Do you think a course like this would be better taught as an elective? Um. Well, like so, if I reflect on my own anecdotal experience in school. I think about like social studies classes and how history is taught and how it was taught to me and what 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 was in our textbooks for example and then how different that was when I arrived to the University of Oregon and what was in those textbooks and what was being taught to me and so I don't know if it should be an elective I think it should be integrated into coursework when I think of it I think of of social studies, I think it could be its own separate class, and I think that would be wonderful. Um, but how we teach history and how we teach students about culture and what we what's in those textbooks, I think that needs to change a little bit too. It kind of leaves out the indigenous perspective a little bit, at least in my experience. It leaves out the black perspective, and it, it seems like it's all coming from a white lens. And I think that's that's problematic as well. And so. I think it could be its own class and I think there would need to be a lot of work to make intentional work to make sure that if if that happens that the the teachers that are giving that information are are well rounded and and understand what the expectations are with that and and also uh being intentional on in what information is provided and how we share that with students to allow them to think critically and 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 develop their own ideas and and share comfortably so what would you say to the voters both that are for and against this you, you know you got to weigh both sides if you're elected you seem to be i mean you've made your position clear but you also strike me as someone who when when you say you're going to be thoughtful you're going to be thoughtful 
what could you, what would you say to the voters about implementation, about taking time, about listening to making sure that people's point of views are heard? It's it's important because you're going to be an elected official if you win, and you're for those if you win, there's going to be that part of the population that didn't vote for you, yeah. right? So how would you let the let the voters know what would that be like for them if you're elected? How would you facilitate both sides of the argument? I think that would come with a lot of research and learning. Uh, I, something I know that the school board, Springfield School Board is doing right now is they're reading a book called White Fragility. It's like a little book club within the school board. And along with that, I think they've gotten some training and a student's gonna get a scholarship after they complete this module sort of training. Uh, I think that's a really cool uh, way to approach it. But uh, so seeking outside, you know, looking outside of the board and that means listening to the community as well. I have heard from some community members, some concerns about lack of access to public comment um, in like a live setting. I think they, they're allowed to submit comments in a written way and those are read out loud and that's good too. Um, but in order to create access and, and, and include the community a little bit more, I, I might be an advocate for that. And I think I need to learn a little bit more about how the board is structured and why maybe they're not including that space right now. And it might have something to do with COVID. Um, but so, so building relationships, collaborative governance, I've already talked about. Um, I think outside training, listening, learning, uh, you know, contracting out in a way to get more information. Um, I think we're, you know, each community is different and I want to recognize that and give space for that too. And Springfield is a very unique space and community that has specific needs and there are specific issues in our community that need to be met in a different way than like Eugene maybe, for example, um, and that we shouldn't always copycat Eugene because Springfield is not Eugene. And uh, I know that very well. And so, uh, taking tabs on the community and, and maybe doing some research on a community basis um, to see see what the needs are for both staff, teachers, students, everyone, families. Very good. In this, what well, we hope is going to be a post-COVID world soon, mm -hmm. or sooner rather than later, what would you like the voters to know about your ideas about getting the students reintegrated back into the classroom. I, I too hope that we can <laughs> enter a post-COVID world sooner rather than later. But I, I think along with that is I've already come to the conclusion that we have to find a new normal and we, we can't just revert back to what things were before. And I think along with that means that there are some struggles that we're going to face, especially within the school district, that we don't know about yet, um, and that hopefully we can be proactive instead of reactive. If I'm able to join the board and and try to brainstorm what some of those struggles might be, and I'm sure they're already doing some of that. But um, when it comes to reintegrating students and being in my master's program and being remote for a year, I, I have a kind of a student perspective too. I know it's a little bit different, but I think reintegration is gonna be difficult for staff and students alike. And while they have been connected in this virtual world, there is the, 
this relationship building and communication and the social pieces that are going to need to be reconstructed. I think that an idea I have is um, maybe some sort of like summer program to like slowly reintegrate students. Um, I know that budgetary constrictions might not allow for something like that, but if you just kind of throw them in, and I know there's been a little bit of reopening already, but um, I think a slow and e I think there's going to need to be a lot of forgiveness. Um, and I think there's going to need to be some grace when is kind of what I meant for for everyone. And I think mental health counselors might play a big role in in reintegration for students and staff. I think maybe some creative ways to help build community in a new way because students haven't been able to connect with their peers either. And that's a big part of being in school too. And how do you reconnect? Um, a year and a half is a long time and, and we're not even there yet, you know? Um, so those are some ideas I had. I know you've been really busy at this university. You're studying for your master's degree. Uh, you haven't been able to make some of these forums. So can you take the next three minutes to speak to the voters, tell them why you're running, why you're asking for their vote, why you are the candidate they should vote for. So they have a chance to hear this, this portion of from your heart to them. So I realized um, when I served as student body president in eighth grade that I had a passion for leadership and I probably wasn't gonna leave Springfield for a very long time and I wanted to be involved in my community. And I think that's guided some of the decisions that I've made up until this point. Um, so I'm, I currently serve as the chair of the Community Development Advisory Committee of Springfield, where we advise city council on the spending of CB, CDBG funds for community development purposes and housing and a lot of really, really good stuff. And it's through serving as the chair and my years of experience there and serving on many committees in a professional capacity that I have just realized that I have to step up. I have to continue on. I want to empower young people, young women to run for elected positions and to be involved in their community. And I think one of the best ways to empower others is to lead by example. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this. Um, I'm bilingual, hablo espanol. And so I have some strong ties to the Latinx community. I want to help be a representation of voices that have been historically not included at the table. And I think I can serve as a connection. And I know Emilio is on the board too. And I'm really excited to partner up with him if I get elected, but um, kind of being a voice for the voiceless, serving as a, as a line of open line of communication for all is something that I hope to do. I'm asking for people's vote because I think that right now is a really good time to bring some change to Springfield, some much needed change. And I am very different than any of the other candidates running, especially for position five. Um, and I, I just hope that I get the chance to use my voice and to you bring my unique experience and knowing that I was born and raised in Springfield, like how cool is that? <laughs> and, and I've had the opportunity to interview and see some of my past teachers and it just gets really emotional thinking about how we can work together and use my experiences 
and my voice and my willingness to listen and being bilingual and working in education and having this master's degree almost with all of these great and new strategies that I've learned fresh from the books, you know, uh, that, that will be really exciting. And I think being a young woman, I think what I bring to the table is going to be very different than the rest of the group. And it might even it out in a little, in a way it might, um, you know, that everyone on the board is, is different. And I think to create a well-rounded board, there needs to be different kinds of people, not a whole lot of the same. And so I'm hoping to bring that. Um, I'm hoping to bring that equity piece with the passion and and advocate for that fiercely throughout my time on the board as well as pathways to career and technical education and um, a vision for students to be more involved in their own education in that process empowering young students like i already said to to kind of have a voice as well and that's why i'm running Ladies and gentlemen, we've had with us this morning Kelly Mason. She is a candidate for position five for the Springfield School Board. We only have 30 minutes of her time. We want to honor that. We, she's a very busy uh, young lady trying to finish up her master's degree, and she needs the time to get back to her studies today. <clears throat> Excuse me, Kelly, thank you. Thank you for your heartfelt responses. You answered everything honestly, directly, specifically. There's not any question about who you are as a candidate and who you will be as a leader, and that's, that too is very helpful and very refreshing. Thank you for willing to get your put your name into the, into the process and put yourself into the process. You've obviously been participating in our community for some time, and so you have roots and you have legitimate thoughts and ideas about how we can make things different and, and better. Yeah. Have a very good day, and we'll look forward to seeing the, the election results on May 18th. Thank you so much, Mark. Have a right. great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.